Well, the Labor Party says the government's moves to change the Reserve Bank's mandate are pointless and a backward step. The bill being passed under urgency through all stages is the first piece of legislation for the new government. It would remove the Reserve Bank's dual mandate, meaning it would no longer be required to push for maximum sustainable employment levels across the country. The legislation passed through its second reading last night. Labor Party leader Chris Hipkins is with us now. Kia ora, good morning. Kia ora, good morning. I'll start by asking you first if you um, how, how your place uh, stacked up after those uh, the storm going through the Hutt Valley. Yeah, my place at Upper Hutt was okay. It wasn't affected, but um, I was down in Lower Hutt last night on the way home and saw some of the damage on the on the way home last night. And um, yeah, I spoke to a few people who had been out and about witnessing some of the scenes that followed the uh, the tornado that went through central Lower Hutt. It sounds like it was pretty scary. Okay, well, it is good to hear that you came through uh, unscathed. The winds of change also uh, blowing through Parliament with the new government uh, wanting to get rid of the Reserve Bank's uh, dual mandate. Uh, That's pointless, according to you. Why? Well, ultimately, the um, Treasury's analysis shows that uh, the dual mandate didn't make a difference. Ultimately, if, if the government are saying that removing the dual mandate would make a difference in terms of bringing inflation down, that can mean only one thing. It means that they expected the Reserve Bank to raise interest rates higher faster, um, because that is the main way the Reserve Bank bring inflation down. So if they thought the Reserve Bank should have done more to tackle inflation, what they're effectively saying to New Zealanders is they should have been paying higher interest rates sooner. So would it make a difference or not to the, how the Reserve Bank handles interest rates? Well, the Treasury concluded that it wouldn't have made a difference, so that the dual mandate um, wouldn't have made a difference over the last couple of years. And in fact, you know, figures on the government side, people like Shane Jones argued at the time the change was made to introduce the dual mandate that it was actually bringing the New Zealand Reserve Bank into line with best practice internationally. So the finance minister is saying this is just uh, proving the laser focus they have on battling inflation uh, and that uh, she also referred to a letter from the Reserve Bank Governor Adrian Orr which said the bank was supportive of the move. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, the Reserve Bank typically, you know, is supportive of moves. I think the Reserve Bank was reasonably supportive when we introduced the dual mandate in the first place as well. Um, but from memory, but uh, you know, ultimately, you know, if, if Nicola Willis is saying that this is all about bringing inflation down, effectively, what she's saying is that she wants the Reserve Bank to raise interest rates higher, faster. Well, I think maybe sooner might have been the argument. Well, you know, if, if she wants, you know, that wasn't the argument that they were mounting at the time. They weren't arguing for higher interest rates at the time. Moving on to uh, the other legislation they are undoing or redoing, fair pay um, agreements are gone. What's your reaction to that? The unions have been pretty hard on uh, Brooke Van Velden about that, calling her a vampire. I mean, ultimately, what the, the, this government's first moves legislatively, so the first laws that they are bringing before Parliament, ultimately, you know, say that unemployment could potentially be higher, job security should be less, and wage growth should be less. Um, I think those things are, are bad for New Zealand workers. You know, less job security, um, less, le- you know, less ability to collectively bargain to get better pay, um, and potentially higher unemployment because of the changes they're making to the Reserve Bank mandate. With the fair pay agreements, though, none of them had actually been finalised. No, but this was there were there were groups of low-paid workers in New Zealand who were um, set to get a reasonably significant pay rise, who now won't get that pay rise. Can the unions not negotiate on their behalf with them the the old-fashioned way? 
Well, one of the problems that the Fair Pay Agreement seeks to overcome is that in New Zealand we've been in the race to the bottom, where if you look at bus drivers, for example, bus companies tender, tendering for bus routes have driven down the price by driven, driving down the wages and conditions of, their, of the people who actually drive the buses. This was designed to stop that. Fair Pay Agreement were a way of saying, no, actually we don't want to continue in an environment where companies are competing by driving down wages. Labor has supported the 90-day trials in the past for small businesses. So what's the difference here? For small businesses, you know, where they're taking a risk of taking on a new worker, um, I, I think a 90-day trial could potentially, you know, encourage them to take on that new worker. But to say that big companies um, should be able to take on workers and then fire them at will within 90 days without having to give a reason, um, I think that that's going to be bad for New Zealand employees. It means that their job security is being removed. Well, what makes you think that they would just hire someone so they could fire them straight away? Isn't the idea that you, you get someone who's suitable for the job? What's the difference between a big and a small small company in terms of having the confidence of taking on that employee in the first place. When the 90-day trials were, were introduced by the last government, I actually spoke to people who had left jobs that they had been secure in to go and get what they thought was going to be a better job to then find that the employer said, oh, actually, we've decided now we don't need somebody extra, so we're just going to lay you off. And so they lost their job security. I don't think that employers should be able to do that without a reason. But what makes you think that they would uh, what pretend to hire someone when they didn't really want someone after all? Well, because they did it in the past. I mean, I spoke to people who were affected by the 90-day trials when the last government, um, the last national government, um, had introduced them previously. And people would find that they had switched jobs and then found themselves out of a job with no job security because of them. Okay. uh, This morning, uh, as you will have heard, our Prime Minister has joined with Australian and Canadian counterparts calling calling for a pause in hostilities in Gaza with... um, a joint statement there. What's your reaction to that? I think the joint statement's a good thing. I mean, I, um, as Prime Minister, had been working towards that uh, during the time that I was Prime Minister, so I think it's good that New Zealand, Canada and Australia um, have been able to reach agreement on that. I think there's still room for New Zealand to go further. I, I don't think that we should wait for the preconditions for a ceasefire to be there before we actually start to argue that we should have a ceasefire. I think we should be doing that now. What else would you have put in, the, in, in a statement if you were in a position to do so? Well, all of those things are carefully negotiated with international partners, and I wouldn't necessarily say that the statement would be that much different if it was me signing it rather than Christopher Luxon. But I think New Zealand, you know, as a country with an independent foreign policy, can go further, and I think that uh, we shouldn't be waiting until there is a ceasefire before calling for one. Appreciate your time this morning. That was Labour Party leader Chris Hipkins.